Hello and welcome to Mediumship Matters, your go-to spiritual development podcast. I'm your host Hannah McIntyre and I am so excited to have you here. Join me and other great guests as we explore what it means to be a medium, the work that we need to do and the questions that we need to ask for our own development and unfoldment. I'm so happy that you're here. Let's begin. Just to let you all know that my book, You Are a Medium, You Just Don't Know It Yet, is available to purchase on Amazon or via my website, www.hannamedium.co.uk. I am incredibly proud to be able to say that it is already an Amazon bestseller and I'm so grateful to all of you for your reviews, comments and feedback. Um, If you haven't already, please do check it out. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Mediumship Matters with me, Hannah McIntyre. And today I'm very, very excited to be joined by the wonderful Katie Costello. Katie is a soul midwife, a funeral celebrant, an educator of all things to do with moving into whatever. We'll talk about what comes next and all of that stuff. So welcome, Katie. Hi, morning. Thank you for having me. I'm really, really grateful that you've come on to chat with us because I personally think this is a massively under talked about subject but something's going to happen to all of us Um, and I know that you are big on educating people and getting the word out there about dying Mm -hmm. yeah exactly and even saying the d word is a problem for some yeah well do you know I hesitated Mm because you want to make it is that the politically correct thing to say should I you know and we worry and then I think it just especially us Brits I think we have a real, oh, yeah. yeah, we have a real rod about stuff. So let's start right at the beginning for you. How did you get into this line of work? 
Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, it's not much of an interesting story, if I'm honest. I always grew up, I was always the kid that liked star signs and crystals and things a little bit, what I lovingly refer to as woo-woo. I say I say that with love. I know some people see that as a derogatory term, but I love that. So I'm happy with that. So I was always into the woo-woo. And then growing up in my 20s, trying to figure out who the hell you are, um, I always felt like I wanted to do something like I knew I wanted to do something with my life um at one point I thought that might have been telly so I tried a little bit of a dating show whole other story <laughs> then realized that quickly wasn't it um I found myself in retail and I loved it because I loved people so I, yeah. I straight away I'm, I'm very much about the people I love to talk I consider it my superpower um I'm, I love connecting with people understanding so I knew I wanted to do something with people but couldn't figure out what so I did have a great and wonderful career in retail in management that taught me a lot communication skills understanding a bit of psychology personal development so I was already building quite a a world around people and understanding and connection and then it wasn't until then when was my son born so back in 2010 I kind of started a bit more thinking about different ways of working I was pregnant I had to change my job and I worked started working in care very soon uh, realized that it was like a duck to water. And I was like, why have I not been doing this forever? I loved it. I loved helping people. But also I had, I, everywhere I went, basically everyone started to die. That's what happened. So having been quite new to care, there was this inner knowing of what to do, what I was seeing, what I was witnessing, but also how to hold that space. So I've, and I've always been, say, into the woo-woo. So I really started to realize that the stars were starting to align for me and everything was really starting to sit deep that actually this feels very much like home. Mm-hmm. And then, but then realizing that from the normal world, people like paperwork and experience. So I did a lot of training. I've done lots of MBQs, diplomas, qualifications. And I then was um, managing and supporting all of our palliative patients with the care agency that I was with. Then I went to go work at my local hospice And I'd already figured out about soul midwifery at this point. And that's, again, all the stars were coming together. And once I started working at the hospice, my home life changed. And I had everything planned for the soul midwifery training, which is at the school down in Dorset with Felicity Warner. But I say my life, excuse me, my life changed. And I suddenly started thought, how am I going to do this? Like, this is not going to happen. But in true universe, angelic God, insert faith here, but, you know, in, in that terms, Everything just happened. I was able to book the training. I financially could do it time-wise, my son, life, everything just came together. And as soon as I did my training, I don't think I've ever felt more settled, Mm -hmm. more content, despite the life changes going on around me, despite the chaos of life in general for us all. I knew I was where I was meant to be. And that also was solidified when the moment I did my training I've always had a voice. I've always been quite a strong, confident woman. And I had to sit in my power of that, of going, well, I don't, why don't I use that along with this calling and my path that I found and start waffling on and shouting about it everywhere to anybody that will listen. And even those that don't. So then that's when I started my social media pages. And the moment I put myself out there to my community and everybody else, I had work. Mm-hmm. People were calling me. Because people suddenly realised, actually, we don't know this stuff. And we assume, and it is very difficult for many people to talk about but actually, what about the ones that want to talk, but they don't have the space? That's what I was first um, shown with people was that there were so many people that actually went, oh, thank God, I found somebody that I can talk to about this stuff mm-hmm. that actually going to judge me, isn't going to think I'm weird, isn't actually going to turn their nose up and dismiss me or poo-poo my feelings, which also happens. Yeah. So I became that space. And then from then on, again, stars aligned, everything, and it's just grown and grown. 
and now I do funerals as well. And like you said, I've taken it upon myself to do all the education. I host kind of regular death cafe type things. I do talks. I support nursing homes. Yeah, there's not much I don't do. And I love it. Amazing. Okay, so (laughs) take us back to your your first experience of death. What was that like for you? Um, How did, because obviously you've talked about your intuition, how did that kick in for you? I think interestingly, my family, I'm very, I'm still blessed to have both my parents. All of my family, we're not necessarily talkers, but we're all open. So from personal going back, every experience of death in my family with pets, family members, friends, I was always very open to it in the sense of my mum and dad didn't hide me from it. They allowed me the choice of, do you want to come to the funeral? Do you want to see our person? Do you want to be here? What? So I was allowed to make my own choice about how I felt. And it never scared me. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, I think the idea of death scared me because when you're in your 20s and you're in your ego, you think you're invincible and you don't want to talk about that stuff. And I did go through that, which many of us, most humans do. Yeah. But actually on the inside, it didn't scare me. And then when I started doing this and when I was in in the agency and people were dying, there was a real calmness within me. So and every time since then, I've walked into some difficult, traumatic situations physically and emotionally. I've been in various different healthcare settings. I've seen many different emergencies. There's still, as much as you go, oh, heck, there's that inner calm within me that goes, you're meant to be here in this moment. And I trust that. So everything that's come up, I've learned to trust hugely. I have a deep spiritual faith myself, which has served me so well and supported me throughout this whole thing. And I've always stepped back into that. Mm -hmm. It's okay. And my soul knows what it's doing. It's just my human self that gets in the way sometimes. But I, I know I'm meant to be doing this. So even from the first experiences of death as a soul midwife, being out there on my own and at my local hospice, even I, everything just seems OK. And I, I, that might sound really cliche and a bit. No, simple, it doesn't. It's fascinating. I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you what you believe happens after physical passing but I guess if you're saying you're spiritual we can kind of guess but tell us what do you think happens at the moment physical death occurs I see death as a transition and that is something that generally as soul midwives that's how we um see the whole process we don't see it as an ending it's very much an energy changing and science proves that energy doesn't die Mm -hmm. energy transmits it changes it moves we are energy science also proves that so when you look at it from a science or a spiritual perspective, there really isn't an end. And that's how we see things. And that's why we use the term soul midwife, because obviously a midwife helps the soul come in and a soul midwife helps that soul transition and make that next journey the same as it does on the other end. So mm-hmm. I, I see it that way. And I think the fact for me that it's not an ending softens it to think that what else is out there? Yeah, I do believe in some form of divine and higher power. I do have a connection to angels. I am angelic Reiki attuned as well. So, and again, I it hugely supports me in my life and just normal life crap that we all get. Am I allowed to say crap? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> all the other life stuff and crap that gets thrown. That all of that faith about it being bigger than us. There's more than this. We are all connected with the energy idea. It really soothes me. So, but when I support people, I support people of all faiths and none. So we are non-denominational. It's not about what I believe. But then what I can do with my faith is use that to facilitate or empower other people to explore their own. Yeah. 
about what they believe. And people will often ask what we think. And I think that's why sometimes people come to people like me or some midwives. They want to hear a different perspective. Because mm-hmm. again, as you very well know, sometimes this side of life, the, the woo-woo, people like poo-poo it, they don't want to hear it or it's not their bag. But what about for the ones where it might be? Yeah. What about when there might be a question that science can't answer? And that's where people, I think, come to us to explore the what-ifs and the, the maybes and the I wonders. You know, well, so many people like, come to mediums following a death for that reason, I think, because there's yeah. just that feeling that, hang on a minute, I don't really feel like the person I've lost is gone. I still feel like they're with me. And that leads so many people to the dark side, as I call it, even though it's the light one. But, uh, you know, into that into that space. So that absolutely makes sense, because I think it is when we are faced with our own mortality um, which we face through the death of people we love as well. I think, but, you know, it's not just you are going to go. It's also, hang on a minute, that person that's been present all of my life is going. That starts that ball rolling of just thinking, hang on, there has to be more. I'm yeah. assuming that you spend, it can be really varied because A, every death is different. But also, do you spend a lot of time sometimes, you know, supporting the person that's dying or supporting the family? I guess you have to be in both so how does that work it's it yeah it's definitely both it's because it takes a village as the saying goes and when somebody Mm -hmm. dies they may have family they may have people they may have friends they may have a hairdresser they may have medical professionals there are lots of people that may or may not be involved so often I get called and and some midwives are the extra we're not instead of we're not better than we are extra love so that can never be a bad thing Mm -hmm. so I often get called for something extra and it might be by the person that's dying or it might be from the people that are around them i tell you what's really what's probably the hardest thing to navigate is every situation i go into i meet people where they are at mm-hmm. i don't go in with an agenda it's not where i think they should be it's not where i want them to be it's not about what i think they should or shouldn't be doing i go in to go okay i'm here with love what do you need and just keep that space open yeah. But what's tricky is often more often it's the relationships and it is navigating the person's illness and the people around them. Because and I've actually written a post about this to share soon, but not everybody is a loved one. Yeah. Not everybody's family are their people. Do yeah. you know what I mean? So yeah. My role can often be, I mean, I have got um the bits of paper and diplomas in some counseling grief bereavement so I can come with some tools but actually I come as a human being helping another human being how to navigate this stuff that us human beings don't know how to navigate yeah. but when you've got all these people involved we all come with our own stuff we all come with our own human experiences our own spiritual or religious beliefs our own environmental stuff our own education so when you've got a mixed bag of two or 20 people all coming with their own stuff that's the bit that's hard to navigate because you can never assume that everybody wants everybody there, everybody mm-hmm. likes everybody there, or that everybody gets on with everybody in some way. Just because somebody's a parent or child doesn't mean that they have a loving relationship. Just because people are uh, married or, or, or you know connected and been together for 50 years doesn't mean they like each other very much. Sure. So I get called for a multitude of different reasons, practically, um, emotionally, logistically. Sometimes I help sort paperwork. Sometimes I go to appointments. But yeah, the biggest part of my job, my work is about navigating the dynamics and relationships and just supporting people to feel whatever it is they need to feel. And actually, once people feel heard, 
Once people feel that they can express themselves or not, sometimes people want the space to not talk. Yeah. Whenever people feel emotionally supported, that's where a little bit of peace and acceptance and calm can come into the mix. And I can hopefully do that. And I'm obviously objective. Like I said, I don't judge. I don't assume. So I am the extra person to help navigate all of those lovely, tricky family dynamics that we all have. Absolutely. And obviously for me, communicating with people who are who have experienced physical death, it happens so often that their passing brings up the family trauma, all of those things that everybody has sat on for 20 years, all of a sudden now's their chance to say it, to express it. And they're in such an emotional state. So I can imagine you've had to really hold some space in your experience. Also, I guess for me, I don't come from a medical background, but I know when I have lost people that I love, it it does feel like the staff in the hospital, they've got a job to do. They're professionals. They are in healthcare. But sometimes it just feels like there's too much of a gap between us and them. And you want someone who yeah. to, to advocate for you to be able to say, you, you know, you're not really sure what's happening. They come in and say something like you're supposed to understand it and leave again. And yeah. you're there going, uh, what does that mean then? But you don't want to ask because they're busy and stuff like that. So do you help with things like that as well? Absolutely. We we talk a lot in some midwifery, death doulas, end of life people. There's a whole host of us out there that have had different training under different organisations, but we're all singing from the same hymn sheet, really. You said about the gap. We want to bridge that gap. That is exactly what we're here to do. Um, we There's Dr. Catherine Mannix, who is a patron for the Living Well, Dying Well. She's I like to drop her in because she's bloody brilliant. She's a friend of mine and we connect every so often. But she's a huge supporter of the Soul Midwives movement, movement. And she exactly says she wants us all to come together to bridge that gap because exactly that if you're diagnosed with something or you're poorly you've got the healthcare clinical input which is hugely valuable we need the science research medicine absolutely we need it but then what happens to the human part of us like that human person doesn't have the support often that they need and again it comes down to what society says we should or shouldn't do what the medical professionals say we we all have this slight case of white coat syndrome well, yes. we look at the doctors and go, well, they've said that. So that's what I've got to do. And quite rightly, they come with the knowledge. But what about it? What about how we feel? What about the emotions? Like you said, we call them in our world soul wounds. What about those things that then come up for us that have been in our past for 10 days or 10 years that yeah. are really affecting us when suddenly we're faced with our own mortality? All of that crap comes back up. We've all got it. Some of it. Some of us have gone through a lot more than others. But interestingly, what one person might consider to be traumatic, another one might breeze through. And when somebody goes through something seemingly simple, somebody else that actually has destroyed their world. So we also can't assume anything about anybody about what they're carrying. Mm -hmm. And midwives, part of bridging that gap is to be there for that support for people. And then that comes in the form of also maybe we're supporting them to have those conversations, to share their truths or to process, to, to even just release it out of their mouths to say the words it could be it could involve ritual it could involve prayer it could involve shouting and screaming at the top of your lungs in the garden mm-hmm. whatever it might be for people we can support that release and that um support of whatever it is that, that like I said that they're carrying and that's where we don't have enough of it within life I don't think mm-hmm. we're very good as well about um planning and preparing for every single area of our lives what we don't ever plan or prepare for enough is death what we do plan and prepare 
is the practical, the clinical, the medicine, the paperwork, the funeral, the tick boxes. What we never prepare ourselves for is emotionally what we where we're at. Yeah. And like I said, when we if we can help, if more of us can get together, we can talk more and bridge that gap. It allows for all of that stuff in life and in death as well. Amazing. So. Yeah, because it is, I think we're still very afraid of it. We are very, very afraid of of our own mortality, of the fact that this is finite, of the mm. fact that we are going to have to go through the process of dying mm. in whatever, because I know deaths vary greatly. So in your opinion, what would be the best time to make contact with a soul midwife? I don't know if there's a best time, but in general guidance, I'd say sooner rather than later. Yeah. I, I, again, I've said to people before, as much as we would love to be, some midwives, we're not an emergency service. Yeah. We can, we can be if we are available in that moment to be present, answer the phone, get there. But if people contact us sooner, a lot of the time we can maybe not prevent altogether, but we can certainly soothe those emergency situations. Yeah. Because also what people don't realise because we don't understand death, because we don't understand what it looks like, what might happen, what the physical body goes through. Often people will ring me in a panic about somebody's breathing. And actually, if they understood before that, that what the sounds they're hearing, the breathing that they're witnessing is all very natural and normal, they wouldn't need to panic. Yeah. So if somebody contacts a soul midwife or starts researching or understanding sooner about all the things that are very normal and natural, when those things happen, that emergency isn't there. so my advice would be and I support people at the moment who are well but who are also wanting to make plans because they just want to get in order yeah some people some people are planning their funerals already and they're actually very well they might be elderly or older they may have something going on but it's not uh terminal at the moment that they're aware of some of it's just some of it is my friends and my family where we're just making our wishes known and writing things down Mm -hmm. again with a wedding you know you can't plan a wedding two months in advance because you're not going to get the date you want that the the best quality of everything you you want is going to have been gone or everybody's booked and you can't get fit in buying a house you take time you do the surveys you go around and see it five times going on a date you search their tinder profiles you go through (laughs) on social media everything about our lives we go into have an operation we then all turn to google and we research and we panic about the risks yeah i was gonna say not always a good idea but we do (laughs) No, it's never a good idea. Don't I'd say to everybody, Googling is amazing, but don't ever give yourself a degree then medically and think you've sussed it because, you know, Google works on algorithms, not science. Um, but we plan for everything in our lives. Yet the one thing, the one thing that we absolutely know without a shadow of a doubt is going to happen, we do nothing about. Yeah. It To me, it's insane. So... That's why people should contact soul midwives, doulas sooner rather than later. Again, we all work slightly different. We all have our our own face, our own skills, our own expertise, our own niches. So some people may not work with people sooner. Some people may work with people specifically at the end. But if you reach out to anybody, they will put you in the right direction for the right person for you as well. So another reason why it's good to contact somebody sooner, because you might need time to navigate who's right for you. Again, the same with a wedding celebrant. The same, you know, you find the right person. Your hairdresser, you don't go to the first hairdresser you meet. Maybe you do a bit of shopping around, you get a bit of feedback. If we do it sooner, we have really time to create a death plan, a funeral plan, a life plan. 
And we always say as well, doing this sooner, planning for death, or even just having a conversation with your friends and family or with your people, your village, your tribe about, I really want this. I absolutely don't want that. Don't do that to me. It could be on a Saturday night over a Pinot with your girlfriends. If you can do that once, you've not only given yourself a gift of going, oh, well, do you know what? I've covered though. The bits that are important to me, I've covered. And I've also given my friends a gift because they know when my time comes, an idea of where to start. Yeah. Even that, you gift each other something so powerful. So all of these things, people can say contact us at any time, but the sooner the better. Try in an emergency, but also try to understand that why wait until the proverbial hits the fan to then go, I need help about a situation that we know you're going to need help with. Yeah. For sure. I get very brave heart about all this. Sorry. I, get I love like, oh. it. No, I love it. I can see how passionate you are about it. And I guess this ties in with your Dying for a Cuppa series on your social yeah. media, which yeah. is sharing all that information that you wish people knew. So obviously, I'm going to put a link to your stuff in the show notes and everyone can go and check it out and educate themselves a little bit and get more of an understanding of what they need to do, because I think there's stuff we need to do now. Although I do change the music I want playing at my funeral on a weekly basis, depending on my emotional state. My husband is like, oh, for God's sake. And I'm like, no, I want this now. And he's like, but I thought you wanted this. And I go, no, that's awful. I'm over that now. So, (laughs) (laughs) And it can be an ever moving ship. We change. Our life changes, our experience changes. But I've got a book that says what my family need to know. And in it, I've got things like my social media passwords. I've got my HelloFresh delivery information. And I've got a, a work, what I call a working document about my funeral wishes. So things get scrubbed out and then I get a thing and then there's a link and then there's another note written in and there's the absolutely heard this song, don't play that at my funeral. So again, but just to have that, I don't, I don't sit, although I talk about death every day, I support death every day. But within my heart, I don't sit there and feel upset or hurt or or grief about my own death on a daily basis. I have my moments, something triggers me, I'm human, but I can surround myself with all of this. One, I am used to it. So I know that I have a different perspective to your average person, but because I'm used to it and I support so many people, I mean, I've seen hundreds, if not maybe more than that now, hundreds of souls leave this earth. I've seen so much death. So please take it from somebody, although I have a different perspective, somebody that's seen it and witnessed it, it is never as scary as we think. Mm-hmm. Our grief, on the other hand, that's scary to us. And I get that. And there's nothing I can say that can take that away. No. But the death bit, the dying bit, not everybody needs medical intervention. Most deaths, 80% of deaths are actually very natural, normal deaths. Mm-hmm. It's us that panic because we don't know what we're looking at. We think our person can't breathe and they're starving or dehydrated, whereas actually... The breathing, the noises, it's all part of the mechanical process of dying. And the not eating and drinking is very normal because the body knows it doesn't need to anymore. And you can't force feed a dying body. It won't, it won't do it. You know, it it won't, nutrients won't go where they're meant to go. Yeah. So dying body will naturally not eat and drink and that's okay. But when you, for somebody who doesn't know that, that in itself can be hugely traumatic because you think, well, my person hasn't eaten for three days. Now they're dying because they're starving. Yes. No, no. They're not dying because they're not eating. They are not eating because they are dying. There's a huge difference. That I mean, that in itself, because also, I guess for the person that is is dying, that's really traumatic. You know, if someone's trying to sh- shove soup in your face or something, go yeah. on, just have a bit, just have a bit, and you don't want it. You just no. want to 
tough. Or, so- or they do it because they think it's going to support the person. So they're desperately trying to eat, thinking, well, my person wants me to eat and it helps them. So I'm yeah. going to try and eat. But actually, then we get into the more mechanics of it, where, again, people can aspirate, which is where fluid goes down, the, goes into your lungs. People can choke. The food can sit or the fluid can sit in all the wrong parts of the body because the inside of the body is not functioning effectively or productively like ours does when we're well. So but just to understand that people, yes, you want your person to eat because you think, come on, dad, have an extra spoonful, keep your energy up. I get it. That's that's the way our bodies work. But that's not the way a dying body works. So it's that again, it's I really want to support people to shift that mindset. So that actually when they're in that and dad goes, actually, no, I don't want any dinner. They can focus on sitting with dad and spending time with him rather than worrying about what else to feed him. He hasn't eaten, calling the doctors, calling this person and being away from a situation that if it's their choice, they may wish to be really part of and present for. Yeah. So, Wow. That's actually a really incredible piece of information that I wasn't aware of. I mean, it makes sense to me when I have a migraine, I'm always sick because This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Because my migraines are by the part of my brain that stops my digestive process uh, working. So um, for a long time, I thought I had many years disease, but it isn't. And so that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, who wants to, if you could just pass on your own terms you don't want to be vomiting you don't want to be chewing on something you don't want to eat you don't and I guess it's very much like a mother when she's giving birth you know you want to do things the way you want to do it in your rhythm that works for you you don't want to be worried about somebody else and their needs and trying to placate them so that is so valuable is there anything else in that that you would like people to know while I've got while I'm into this I I guess with that it's again it it just goes to show how important it is that we understand what a dying body can look like and what it goes through so things like um um skin color changes skin can look um dry it can be uh you know flaky um it can look dehydrated but that's all normal hands feet knees can go purple or look what they call mottled all normal People's skin can go a little bit pale, possibly yellow, sometimes waxy, all normal. And you're saying about the body and birth. Death is a labor. Yeah. It is an effort. It, the body, like the body to create life has all these cells. It instinctively knows what to do to put all of these cells together from, from the egg and the sperm. No one tells them, you know, with a little signpost, they know what to do. Our bodies are incredible. So we create this human and we birth this human. All of that 
is instinctive and is our body. We yeah. don't need medical intervention to create, well, that's a whole other argument. There is medical intervention, but that we have a possibility to naturally create life. Yeah. Bodies know how to die. So the skin changes, the way it looks, the way it sounds, the eating and drinking, all of that is the body doing what it knows instinctively how to do. Our bodies talk to us all the time. And one thing I said, I use this as an example. So I've done a couple of my dying for a cuppers on this. And I also do end of life care workshops, which incorporate all of this training and more because it's important that people know. But I always say to people like our bodies talk to us and we intuitively eat. And one of the only times I know that I intuitively eat because I love cake and sugary treats and I don't listen to my body enough. I'm working on it. The The menopause is making me listen to my body more. But One of the only times I know that I've intuitively eaten is when I have a hangover. If I've had too many green Pinot Grigios the night before, I want carbs, I want cheese, I want sugar, and I want something refreshing. That's my body screaming at me to replenish all the vital stuff, the nutrients that we need. And when somebody's dying, our bodies intuitively scream and tell us what they need. Mm -hmm. So when your person hasn't eaten for days, but they're going, I'm just not hungry because their body's not telling them they need to eat. That's why we feel hunger and thirst, because it's our body and our brain going, oh, hold on. Yeah, I need something right now. Oh, yeah, I need cake. Mm -hmm. When somebody's dying, the brain and the body go, "Eh, I'm good. I don't need it. So we need to trust our bodies that have carried us this far, that have done all these magical, wonderful things. We need to trust that when the end of our life comes, and I'm talking about, after treatment, after there's nothing else we can do, you know, when somebody's body is naturally just starting to shut down, Mm -hmm. we do not need to do anything to cock up that process because the body has got it. Sometimes we might need medical support that we, our comfort and symptoms may need managing, which may need medicine sometimes. But actually when we're at that point, all we need is love, safety, comfort, and support. That's it. Because that can sometimes be more powerful than any medicine or anything any doctor could ever do. That's what we also don't appreciate. Our presence, our connection, our ability to just sit in the difficult crap is so powerful. If And again, I say that I know it's not easy for everybody to do it. Mm-hmm. And going back to the family dynamics and not everyone's a loved one. Just because you are looking after somebody doesn't mean that you are emotionally able to. You might be the only person and be stuck in a situation where your family member or your person that you're struggling with, but you're the only one that can give them the food and drink and meet the carers that come in or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. But even that, to just help somebody feel safe, put things in place from other people to make somebody feel safe and, and comforted and loved in some way is actually all people need. Mm-hmm. And we can do that by understanding the dying process, understanding the body and understanding the fact that when it gets to the point where we can't change this now, what else can we do to just support that person? I think I've gone off. Earlier... No, I loved it. I loved it. You mentioned <laughs> earlier about breathing. What happens to our breathing as we as we near the end? So, I mean, I say this stuff like we said. Every death is different. Every body mm-hmm. is different. Um, as in, every physical body is different, and every death is different depending on the illness or the reason that it is dying. But in general, the breathing is normally the last part of the mechanics of the body that stops normally. So it's the lungs and the heart that are just doing the last few bits. What often happens is there's something called chain stoking or the death rattle. 
And this is where breathing sounds very noisy and the death rattle is linked to is the secretions in the chest. So we naturally have fluid obviously moving all around our body all the time. Mm-hmm. A dying body, if it, ha- if it has been a, uh, I don't think normal, but if it has been a um, typical death where a body has got old and frail and has been still now for some time, chances are people will go off their feet, they're then bed bound, they're obviously less responsive then over time, they're eating and drinking less, often also because they're sleeping more. Mm-hmm. all normal but if that body is then actively dying they're not communicative chances are they've got their mouth and eyes open all very normal because our muscles go completely limp we've got no strength to hold them up which is why that happens all normal mm-hmm. because of that then obviously what happens is all of these this fluid in the lungs just sits so it's very normal that people then start to sound quite chesty clinically they call it audible secretions but it's very normal to hear that bubbly, rattly, if you've had a chest infection and quite wheezy. Mm-hmm. And then what that can mean is that the sounds then that are coming out through the throat can sound a bit loud. That's the chain stoking. All normal. Sometimes people's breathing then can naturally become more shallow and slower. And then what happens is people can get periods of apnea, as it's called. So it's an in-breath. <laughs> And then, and then that gets longer and longer and people naturally stop. Interestingly, the last breath for people is an in-breath. Mm. So you're not waiting. Sometimes you might get the, but quite often it's the, and it stops. And then what happens is naturally that air is just expelled. It will just naturally come out with no force after the person's, you know, the heart stops and yeah. all the vital signs of death, uh, life have gone. Um, on the other hand, though, sometimes breathing can be really rapid and quite quick. All fine, all normal. It might go quick and then go slow. It might go really shallow, have periods of apnea and then speed up a bit. It's all mechanics. And I say that not to be cold, but just to understand that it's just the body doing what it needs to do. And one thing we say to people is, well, if people are dying in pain, but they can't communicate, someone's frown is a really good example. Because if 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 they can't communicate, but there is something wrong, it's like our brain and our body talk to each other and create this. We do it when we're annoyed, when somebody's upset us, or if we've got a headache. You get that, don't you? you yeah. If people are doing that, that might be a sign that there is some level of discomfort, possibly. But normally, when people are at this point and they are, that when this is happening with the breathing, they're hours from death, possibly days. It can be drawn out, but normally death is 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 there. Yeah. Normally, all those muscles, everything is clear. There's no frown. So what we are seeing and witnessing with the breathing can be difficult for us, but it's not for that person. And again, it's the mindset shift of, oh my God, the breathing's really loud. They sound really chesty. They sound like they're drowning. Uh, I've got to do something. Panic, panic, panic. Mm -hmm. If the body is absolutely still, is actively dying and no frown and somebody's there, that's natural. That's what death is. Mm -hmm. There are medicines that if people are distressed or it is very chesty and they're maybe still trying to cough, there are medicines that can be administered that help dry that up, mm-hmm. but it can also be supported with a change of position, sitting somebody up, moving them onto their side. So the because it's like I said, the fluids are just sitting. So yeah. what we need to do is move them. That could be enough. So again, the mindset of panic, it sounds awful, something's going wrong. It's all natural. And actually, Catherine Mannix said, and I, I say it to everybody, we must remember that death itself is safe. Yeah. It's safe. It's not going to go wrong. The dying, yes, that's the bit that we worry about. We think we have to fix, change, do something, panic. 
actually, when a body gets to that point, one, there's nothing we can do. Two, the body already knows what it's doing and often interfering with it can affect the process. But actually at that point, nothing's going to go wrong now. Death is safe, no matter what you believe even. I mean, it feels safer to me because I have this faith that my soul and my energy will be somewhere else doing something else with my loved ones and my old pets from old and I'll be on some nice cloud somewhere. But so I feel lovely about that. But, But even if you don't, the physical, even if you're very no faith, atheist, agnostic, scientist, whatever, death itself is safe. Yeah. So it's not something that in that we we can hopefully come to terms with. People don't have a problem with death. They have a problem with dying. Yes. People are scared of dying because they understandably don't want to die in pain. We It's the unknown. We think we don't know anything about it. There's a level of fear. And it always comes down to as well, we don't want to lose our people. I don't, God, you know, the uh, one thing that makes me cry about the thought of me dying is dying sometime soon and leaving my son. Yes. Who's 11. That that scares the absolute bejesus out of me. But do I sit and dwell on that every day? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Because it upsets me so much, do I make the most of making memories with him, having life with him, creating and, and doing magical things with him? Absolutely it does. For sure. So, Same. My Same. Yeah. yeah. So well, have you had any experiences or seen anything with your clients that has solidified your spiritual faith or anything like that? Every day. Love Every it. day. Um, oh, God, there's too many. Uh, like I said, I have, uh, I, oh, God, where do I start? This I could, this could be a whole other hour of a podcast. I'll, I'll try and keep... <laughs> I think the thing for me that confirms it is that there's always something that happens that science can't justify. Mm-hmm. So people can read into that what they will, but I have felt things. Basically, I think of it in the sense of the the senses. I also have what I consider to be, I don't know if I'd say that I had a gift like yourself, but there is certainly something within me that I know things happen to me, around me, through me, that I can't justify with my eyes or with my mind. And I see and experience that. And I think of it in the, in the senses. So sometimes there's a smell and I'll go, who's is that aftershave? And then... The, the person that's dying will go oh, John's here and yeah. you think and that they've said it and I've seen it and you think okay I've se- I've seen things with my eyes um oh god again part of me thinks you know I still worry about saying this stuff because you think people's going to judge me but then I need to remember where I am <laughs> um, yeah I felt things I felt people I felt energy I've seen energy I've seen I've seen the classic stuff as well that you see on tv where Candles might get blown out and there's no breeze in the room. I've seen I've seen it with my own eyes where somebody the beds moved as if somebody sat down. I've and I do it in the daily basis where I'll go as if somebody's just spoken to me or walked past me. Yeah. Um, and I think when I work so close to the veil, you can't not. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. This I'm, I'm human. So as much as I consider I have gifts and intuition and trust and I I have a real connection, I also, I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm probably not bombarded like you are in the ear, you know, in my ear rolls all the time with things going on around you. But I, so some situations I go in completely grounded with, and I have to block that out. Yeah. Or I want to block that out. Or for no other reason that it is blocked out and I can think something's going on. And then I go, well, why can't I, I have to get rid of that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, I know it's all going on, but I can honestly say hand on heart that every single day, every single day, particularly since I committed to this and committed to the trust and created more of my own spiritual practices over the last 10 years, 
white feathers just gone past my window. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Things like that. Exactly. Literally, I just caught it out my eye, white feather straight down. Like that, stuff like that. Moments like this happens all the time. And also what I've figured out as well, every funeral that I've supported. So I added on the celebrancy to my work a couple of years ago because doing what I do, being part of people's lives and deaths, people are then were asking me, can you do a reading? Can you do the tribute? Can you do this? Can and I thought, why don't I just do that? Yeah. I understand death. I can hold that space then for people, even if I'm not supporting them. And you've I met know them I'm... properly. Exactly. You've met the person, you know them. Yeah. But even if I haven't, I also have an understanding of what these people have gone through. And using my voice, my passion, my commitment to this work, I know I can create something different or unique or bespoke. Um, but every single funeral I've done, and again, every single one, there has been something where there has been some connection. Yeah. So I've got three funerals coming up soon, for example. One of them, um, the lady had a similar upbringing to my, my grandfather. Another one, unfortunately, the person was the same age as me with children the same age. Um, the other one, the family spent time in a caravan park where I also would have been at the same time as them back in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, everything I, and we're, or it's people I know because they've contacted me and said, my person's died, would you help? But there's always something. So I kind of just wait for it now when I'm with the families having conversations and they'll go, oh, yes, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Again, we spent our holidays in the caravan park and I'm like, oh, let me guess. I bet I can tell you which one. Yeah. <laughs> or again, another lady I supported uh, uh, did her funeral a few few months ago. We'd met years ago and I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always, excuse me, something. And those little bits in my work, but even in my everyday life, things like that, angel numbers, um, or I, I work a lot with my angel cards. I do a lot of meditation. I go to that space for guidance. Yeah. So then, especially if I've done that and I've some, and, and some things will come through, like I'll have a real urge to say, do you, have you got a, somebody in your life called Steve or something, you know, and people will be like, Oh yeah, that was my uncle. God, he died last month. Okay. I don't know why I have no message with that. I don't know what that means, but there's just something that is like a dream. There's something that pops it. into my head that I just kind of roll yeah. with. I have no idea what to do with it and I don't try and push it. But because of that, because of that connection that I've cultivated and create, you know, curated over the last 10 years to support me, it then enables me that when I'm with the dying, being so close to the veil, having that understanding, it then I think opens me up to all sorts of weird and wonderful woo-woo stuff. I love it. And I think they just, they come closer to, I think there's a vibrational shift that happens which is why so many people see or experience their loved ones as they're getting closer to returning to spirit so they're shifting vibration and of course if you're in a space with somebody you we are reflective creatures we absorb the energy so you're bound to shift your vibration every time they are shifting theirs and being part of that I love it and just so you know Katie I believe that everybody can be a medium I don't believe I'm gifted I well, I do. I think how how attuned we are or in tune with ourselves is how much we allow ourselves to open up to this stuff. Yes. But I think what I've done is surrender mine to go, well, whatever. Yeah. But I, I absolutely agree way. with you. Some of us are some of us can tap into it easier than others, whether that be a mind block or whether that just be part of what we're meant to explore. So we come with a natural ability to open up. I think our life experiences shut us down in absolutely. so many ways. It's like kids and animals. Yeah, I mean, my son, when he was about three, my granddad had already died before he was born. But when he was about three, now bearing in mind, my um, 
grandparents were Polish. So we used to call them Babka and Jadik. So my son in the shed, or came, he was in the garden, came back and he said, it was only three, he said, Jadik's in the shed. Me and my mum looked at each other and went, well, and, and he never met him. Yeah. He was only three. To say Babka and Jadik was not, we talked about them, of course, but they wouldn't yeah. have necessarily been part of our everyday conversation with him. He said, yeah, Jadik's in the, in the shed with his tools. And that's exactly what he would have done. I love and me it. and my mum just went, okay. And carried on. It's just, yeah. But then you then obviously you grow up and get taught that things are wrong or you, you, the mind gets in the way. Yeah. And Absolutely. That's, and that, yeah. And then it just it's it closes it all down. And Absolutely. I think that's because I've learned to shut my mind down and open my heart up in this work. I think that's why I can then feel and experience things. Amazing. Just by the very nature of what I do, I'm more open. Yeah. Um, and the number of yeah, nurses and non-believers that I've had anyway, who've been like, oh, I don't believe in what you do. And I go, fair enough, because I'm not here to recruit. And then they go, but and there's always a yeah. but and some story. Yeah. Once I was with this guy and I just knew he was going to die. And I watched his soul leave his body. And you go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but, you're yeah, yeah. but you don't believe. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I get a lot of people. So I, I, like I said, as a soul midwife, we are non-denominational. Mm-hmm. I don't put my faith or my beliefs in anybody. That's not what I'm here to do. Same as you, like you say, I'm not here to recruit. Yeah. I'm here to support. But I'd make, I make. I don't hide the fact that I work with crystal energy, Reiki, auras, and all of that kind of stuff. My meditation, that's who I am. And interestingly, some people will go, I love what you do. I'd love you to support my person, but we don't believe any of that. Don't want any of that mumbo jumbo or woo woo or whatever. And I'll go, okay, absolutely fine. If your person's dying and they want support, I'm here regardless of that. But then you get the, oh, there's a Robin as well on my balcony. Do you know what, Casey? I've got to tell you this. This morning when I was making my coffee, getting ready to see you, I had a white feather fly down by my window and a Robin hop across my uh, patio. (laughs) And I went, oh, hey, spirit. Yeah, it's, 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 it's so funny. Fun. It's amazing. I love it. I love it. It's stuff like that as well. That when I have those moments of, I guess almost almost imposter syndrome sometimes when I question myself, have I done right? What have I done? Why am I here? Am I, do I know what I'm doing? Or think I've got things wrong? And then you know, worry about do I share too much? And then you go, oh yeah, it's fine. Yeah, do, that really helps me. But what was I saying anyway? Before the robin. So people come to me and go, don't want any of that. Don't believe any of that. Can you just help my person? We've got to go to appointments and do the practical stuff. Of course, absolutely. But then when, again, the proverbial hits the fan or when there is a tricky situation or something difficult comes up, when the medicine isn't quite cutting it or the doctors can't get there in time, I then get that person go, so would it help then having those rocks around? You know, so 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 all this Reiki stuff, like it can't hurt her, can it? I'm like, absolutely not. It's energy and love. That's it. And if you if nothing else, with some nice music, it's a half an hour rest and relaxation. Yeah. Well, maybe just do that then. But I don't believe it. But you know. Yeah. But actually, I get it because your person, if it is somebody that you love and care about, you're willing to do anything. Yeah. And to some people, the anything includes the weird, the mumbo jumbo, the whatever. So then that's when people open up. But again, they only open up when they're forced to, which I feel from a personal perspective is such a shame because I see the benefits and know how supported this other stuff is sooner in our lives. Yeah. And like I said, I've taken great comfort and support from a lot of difficult stuff in my life, personally, professionally, human stuff, death, all from the woo-woo. Absolutely. 
But actually that leads into the, because we're nearly at time and I've got my eye on the clock. I've got to be a grown up (laughs) here because I could keep talking to you for ages. But that leads into that conversation we were having before I hit the record button, which is Mm -hmm. your advice for everybody is to research this stuff now. Can you just go into that quickly? Yeah, I am. I think it's hard because I, I I obviously, like I said, I have my book, I have everything in it and a lot of my friends and family, I encourage them to talk to their people about what they want. It's easier said than done. And we all say things like life's short. You hear something about somebody in the local town or on the news about all the, you know, the good awful things that happen in the country, especially about young people and go, God, life's too short. And you never know what's going to come around the corner. And, and then we go, God, anyway. Yeah. And then we, it's like that moment's then forgotten. What I'd say to people is when those moments happen, do something with that. Use that God awful situation, but to go, God, that's actually happened. What if? I'm not saying sit in the the, the emotion and the heaviness of it. If it comes up, sit in it. I'm a big one for processing as well and allowing the difficult feelings as well as the great ones. Yeah. Sit in that feeling. Let it do something for you. Use it. Let it serve you to go, God, what would I do if that were me? And write something down investigate what is it though some people that have a devout faith in something connect to your local people find out what is available around you are you part of a local parish because if you know that when your time comes and you want some religious support what have you got near you do you know that so if you're devout you might do but actually if you go i was christened roman catholic not fast but when i'm dying i want sacrament of the sick okay so who's available where would you go what do you need to know yeah all those things we can do now quite easily Thanks to Google and the internet, that's the stuff that's really valuable to Google. If you, when it comes to the point of having a diagnosis or illness or suddenly death is more of your reality than it was before, again, do some research, find out and think about for a minute, what is important to you? Is it every treatment under the sun? Is it absolutely nothing? Is it not having something because you saw somebody go through it and now that is an absolutely no non-negotiable for you? Mm -hmm. Is it actually I must be in this place because that's where that happened and I need to be near here like what is important to you in life let's start writing it down talking and if you can't talk stick it on a post-it note leave it on the bureau in front of your person's phone or whatever and just leave it there yeah start sharing and connecting in some way and from a practical perspective would a soul soul midwife be something you'd be interested in would a you know or death doula google find out more what um, hospices are near you? Do you have a Mercurium at Millen? Do you have um, Age UK or you know Red Cross? Like what is available to you as regards support within your local community? Maybe not for you, but what about when your person or people or parents or grandparents might need support? It never hurts to be informed and prepared. And like I've said, we do it for everything else. Yeah. Why don't we do it for death? Like when there is so much help. So... Find out about soul midwifery if this is resonating for you. Do some research. Write it down. Yep, I want one of them. That might be enough that when your time comes, you can go, oh, actually, yes, I've Googled that. Call that woman, Katie. She's not right for me. She talks too much. But I'm sure she can find me somebody else that doesn't. That's fine. You know, there's, yeah. there's someone for everyone. So if this is something that resonates, find out about it. Don't wait and sit for the information to come to you because that's just not the way life works. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think also happens. We get an illness, we get a diagnosis, the doctor says one thing and then we sit. And then we go, right, I'll wait then for the doctor to come back to me. There is so much out there that can be offering support. 
and and that you know there are lots of also charities that offer financial support um in the sense of maybe grants the government can help you um like i said there's charities that offer emotional support bereavement support there is so much out there but we just don't we we don't know what we don't know yeah i guess the best bit of advice would be find out what you don't know now yeah absolutely it doesn't have to be everything it can be one tiny bit of information one thing that's important to you that you can go ah that's important to me now I know that that's a possibility I'll carry on about my day that's it that's it fantastic thank you so much Katie I've still got a whole sheet of questions I haven't asked you but no no don't be sorry I've loved it we might have to have you back Thank you so very, very much. It's been lovely so to meet you. And I'll see you on Thursday night because you're coming to my den, which was another bit of alignment yeah. for us. So Absolutely. No, I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you so much for inviting Thank me on. Thank you so I, much. It's everyone, been amazing. I could do this all day. So if, yeah, if you want a part two, I'm in. Excellent. <laughs> okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Manny's and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, I'm here just to ask you to click that follow button to share the podcast on your social media and leave a review. These things help me so much with reaching more people, getting better guests, getting more information out there. So anything you can do to help would be gratefully received. And I will catch up with you again soon. Thanks for listening.